Chapter 13 of Davy and the Goblin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Davy and the Goblin by Charles E. Carroll. Chapter 13 The Talking Waves and the old sea-dog. I wonder why the ocean doesn't keep still sometimes, and not be moving its edge about all the time, said Davy, after watching the waves that constantly rolled up on the beach, and then rolled back again, looking like creamy soap suds. That wouldn't do at all, said a wave that rolled up almost to his feet. The beach gets must, you see, and we have to smooth it off again. The sea is always tidy. And here the wave broke with a little murmuring laugh and rolled back again all in a foam. Davy was so astonished that it almost took his breath away. A talking wave was certainly the most marvelous thing he had met with, and in an instant he was lying flat on his face, trembling with eagerness and waiting for the next wave to roll up on the shore. It came in a moment, and gently whispered, If we didn't wet the sand once in a while, there wouldn't be any nuts on the beech trees, no nuts on the trees, and no shells on the shore. And here this wave broke in its turn into foam, and ran back into the sea. This is perfectly delicious, said Davy joyfully, and as the next wave rolled up to him, he softly asked, Do you know the whale? Know him, cried the wave passionately. I should think I did. Many a time I've been spanked by his horrid old tail. The nasty, blundering, floundering, walloping old... <sighs> And here the end of the sentence dribbled away in a sort of washy whisper. Such a mouth, said the next wave, taking up the story, like a fishing smack lined with red morocco, and such a temper. I wouldn't be so crusty for all. But just here the wave toppled over as usual, and the rest of the sentence ran back into the sea. Once, said the next wave, still scolding about the whale, once he got up so far on the shore that he couldn't get back into the water for a long time, and he blamed me for it and called me names. He said I was a mean, low tide. But just as Davy was eagerly listening for the rest of the story, this wave, like the rest, broke into foam and washed away. It's really too ridiculous the way they break off their sentences, cried Davy impatiently. It is indeed, said a big wave, coming in with a rush. Perhaps you'd like to get acquainted with an angry sea. It was an angry sea indeed, for as the wave said this, the ocean was suddenly lashed into fury. The water rose into huge green billows that came tossing up on the shore, and Davy, scrambling to his feet, ran for his life. 
the air was filled with flying spray and he could hear the roar of the water coming on behind him with a mighty rush as he ran across the beach not daring to stop until he found himself out of reach of the angry ocean on a high bluff of sand here he stopped quite out of breath and looked back the wind was blowing fiercely and a cloud of spray was dashed in his face as he turned toward it and presently the air was filled with lobsters eels and wriggling fishes that were being carried inshore by the gale suddenly to davy's astonishment a dog came sailing along he was being helplessly blown about among the lobsters uneasily jerking his tail from side to side to keep it out of reach of their great claws and giving short nervous barks from time to time as though he were firing signal guns of distress in fact he seemed to be having such a hard time of it that davy caught him by the ear as he was going by and landed him in safety on the beach he proved to be a very shaggy battered-looking animal in an old pea-jacket with a weather-beaten tarpaulin hat jammed on the side of his head and a patch over one eye altogether he was the most extraordinary-looking animal that could be imagined and davy stood staring at him and wondering what sort of dog he was are you a pointer he said at last by way of opening conversation not i said the dog sulkily it's rude to point i'm an old sea-dog come ashore in a gale here he stared doubtfully at davy for a moment and then said in a husky voice what's the difference between a dog watch and a watchdog it's a conundrum i don't know said davy who would have laughed if he had not been a little afraid of the dog a dog watch keeps a watching on a bark said the old sea dog and a watch dog keeps a barking on a watch here he winked at davy and said what's your name as if he had just mentioned his own davy began the little boy but before he could say another word the old sea dog growled right you are and handing him a folded paper trotted gravely away swaggering as he went like a seafaring man the paper was addressed to davy jones and was headed inside binnacle bob his verses and below these words davy found the following story to inactivity inclined was captain parker's pitch's mind in point of fact twas fitted for a sedentary life ashore his disposition so to speak was nautically soft and weak he feared the rolling ocean and he very much preferred the land a stronger-minded man by far was gallant captain thompson tar and what was very wrong i think he marked himself with india ink says captain pitch the ocean swell makes me exceedingly unwell and captain tar before we start pray join me in a friendly tart and shall i go and take and hide the sneaking trick that parker tried oh no i very much prefer to state his actions as they were with marmalade he first began to tempt that bluff seafaring man then fed him all afternoon with custard in a tablespoon he cried for cakes and lollipops he played with dolls and humming tops he even ceased to roar i'm blowed 
and shook a rattle, laughed, and crowed. When Parker saw the seaman gaze upon the captain's cunning ways, base envy thrilled him through and through, and he became a child of two. Now Parker had in his employ a mate, two seamen, and a boy. The mate was found as he could be, and here the story came abruptly to an end. Davy was quite distressed at this, particularly as the dreadful thought came into his mind that some babies do not know how to swim, and he was therefore very well satisfied when he saw that the old sea-dog had apparently changed his mind about going away, and was swaggering along toward him again. "'If you please,' said Davy, as the surly creature came within hearing distance, "'if you please, sir,' Were the two little captains drowned? Well, sticking as it were to the truth, they were not, replied the old sea-dog very gruffly. Then why didn't you say so in the story? said Davy. Now this was pretty bold of him, for old sea-dogs don't much like to have fault found with their verses, and this particular old sea-dog evidently did not like it at all for after staring at Davy for a moment, he began walking slowly around him in such a threatening manner that Davy, thinking that perhaps he meant to jump on him from behind, began also turning so as to keep his face always toward the dog. Meanwhile, as you may well believe, he began to feel very sorry that he had said anything about the verses. Presently, the old sea-dog broke into a clumsy canter, like a weary old circus horse, and as he went heavily around the circle, he began to explain about the story. "'You see, there's more of it,' said he, wheezing dreadfully as he galloped. "'But then I haven't had the time to put the rest of it in rhyme. It's all about old Thompson's crew as stayed aboard the Soaking Sioux.' and saw the skippers floating by, and hauled them out, and got em dry. And when the little creatures cried, they gave em something warm inside, and being as they had no bed, they stowed em in a bunk instead. But just at this moment the old sea-dog, who had been constantly increasing his speed, disappeared in a most extraordinary manner in a whirling cloud of sand, and Davy, who was by this time spinning around like a teetotum, discovered that he himself was rapidly boring his way, like a big screw down into the beach. This was, of course, a very alarming state of things, but before Davy could make an effort to free himself, the whirling cloud of sand burst upon him with a loud roaring sound like the sea, and he felt himself going directly down through the beach, with the sand pouring in upon him as if he had been inside a huge hourglass. He had just time to notice that, instead of scraping him, the sand had a delightful, ticklesome feeling about it when he went completely through the beach and landed with a gentle thump flat on his back with tall grass waving about him. End of chapter 13